Well, we are so glad that you are here, and we're in the middle of, uh, actually we're at the end of our series, so if you were wanting to learn more about prayer next week, you're not. But uh, next week we're going to uh, begin a new series called Forget You, Uh, and so we're going to be talking about how is it that many times we can say forget you to everybody else around, but the person that's in the mirror, we have a hard time looking beyond our own selfishness. So um, hope you'll be here. Not that any of you ever battle with selfishness, but um, you can come. Well, growing up as a kid, uh, I was a huge uh, football fan of the NFL team, the Chicago Bears. Anybody uh, Bears fans? Okay, a few. All right, no, you don't have to get too loud, okay? Uh, I've seen the light since then. I've become a Colts fan. But anyway, uh, but when I was uh, a kid, the Colts were still in Baltimore. So you had to become a Bears fan. My dad was a Bears fan, and I was a Bears fan. And uh, if you were a Bears fan, you didn't say the Bears. How did you say it? You said, the Bears, right? The Bears. And uh, during this time, they had a coach that was an ex-football player, big, tough guy. Uh, His name's Mike Ditka, and we have a picture of him there. And he was the kind of person that would get in people's face and just a real uh, tough kind of dude. And uh, the story goes that one particular day, uh, he was getting ready to do a pep talk, and at the end, he wanted to have someone do the Lord's Prayer. And so he looked around, and... uh, He said, oh, I know exactly who I'm going to have do the Lord's Prayer. And he pointed to this guy. Anybody know who that is? Some of you, you'll have to Google who that is, okay? His name was uh, uh, William the Refrigerator Perry. He was 345 pounds, just this massive man. And uh, so Ditka gets up. He he does his big, um, you know, pep talk. And Fred says, I got you, coach. I got you, coach. I'll lead the prayer. And uh, during this whole time, uh, the smart-alecky quarterback of the time was a guy by the name of Jim McMahon. And he looks to the guy beside him, and he goes, you hear what Coach is doing? He's like, yeah. He's like, bet you 50 bucks that the fridge doesn't know the Lord's Prayer. And the guy's like, dude, everybody knows the Lord's Prayer. I'm on that. We, we'll, we'll, uh, I'll bet you the 50 bucks. And so uh, they set this bet, uh, Ditka gets up, he gives this big rah-rah speech, and then all of a sudden uh, he says, all right, now we're going to do the Lord's Prayer, Fridge, lead us. And the Fridge gets down on one knee, and the whole world shakes because of how big he was. And then everybody else on the Bears team, they get down on one knee, and then the Fridge begins to pray. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I die before I wake, I pray that the Lord my soul will take. And then McMahon is on his knee, and he looks to the guy beside him, and he goes, Dude, I owe you 50 bucks. I didn't know he knew the Lord's Prayer. (laughs) Isn't that a great? I mean, like, just go home now. It's not going to get any better than that. So, you know, you might as well, you might just go on. Well, I'm glad that you're here today, and for some of you, you know the Lord's Prayer. You've recited the Lord's Prayer many times before. Uh, Others of you, uh, you've never memorized the Lord's Prayer before, 
Some of you may be in between somewhere. Some of you are like, man, this is my first Sunday here. I'm just trying to learn about prayer. Someone invited me. And that's kind of where you're at. Well, regardless of where you're at on the spectrum regarding uh, the Lord's Prayer, what I want to do today is I really want to be able to help us to understand the prayer a little bit more so that when we pray, I think there are some things that Jesus teaches in this that will help our prayers to be more effective. Now, a little bit of background about the Lord's Prayer. It's uh, uh, found, uh, the passage we're going to look at today is in Matthew. And as uh, Jesus is getting ready to teach the disciples uh, one day, uh, there was a group of people that came up to him, uh, and they're all around him, and Jesus is speaking to them. And then all of a sudden, the disciples say, well, Lord, would you teach us how to pray? And I find it very interesting that they could have asked him for anything, you know? They could have said, Lord, teach us how to do miracles. Lord, teach us how to raise the dead. They could have asked anything, and yet what they ask for is, Lord, teach us to pray. I, I mean, it, it's almost like they didn't ask the, the most powerful thing that Jesus could do. And yet, if you look through Scripture, the only time where the disciples ask him to do something, to teach them something. It is to teach them how to pray. And so there must have been something, I was thinking about it this week, there must have been something about the way that Jesus talked to his heavenly father that they were just like, we've got to know how to do that. There must have been such an intimacy with his father. There must have been such power that was there with his father. There must have been something that happened so supernaturally that they could see that, wow, if we can learn that, then that's the most important thing. And so what I'd like to do is I'm going to put the prayer up on the side screens, and I'd like us to read this aloud together. And at the end of our celebration, we're actually going to pray this aloud together. So let's uh, read it right now. Jesus gives us his prayer. Let's read it. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So for the rest of our time, what I simply want to do is have us look at five different things that are a part of this prayer that Jesus asks us to seek God out in when we pray. That we would seek of God when we pray this. Here's the very first thing. This is your first fill in the blank, or if you're on your app, uh, you can go ahead and uh, fill it in uh, on the JAR app as well. And here it is. That we are to seek God's presence with a worshipful heart. We are to seek God's presence with a worshipful heart. Again, Jesus begins the prayer by saying this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Now that word, hallowed, is not a word that we say very often. Uh, We don't use that word to describe other people. Like, I don't go up to my wife Jennifer and go, Jennifer, Hallowed be your name, you know, Um, even though she might like me to do that, you know, uh, that's just not something. And the reason is, is because this word 
means to be holy or set apart. So this word hallowed means to be holy or to set apart. And every human being is not holy. We're not so different from one another. There are a lot of differences uh, that we have, but many of us are created exactly with similar kind of things. And so we're not hallowed, we're not set apart, we're not holy. But there is one who is, who is revered, he's honored, he's lifted up more than anyone else. And so Jesus says that when you come to this one, you are to honor him and you are to say, when you come to your father, you recognize him that he's holy. He is set apart. He is bigger than we are. This past spring, um, I was the assistant track coach for East Washington Academy, fourth and fifth graders. And uh, the head coach and myself uh, both ran track uh, during high school, and I ran a couple years in college. And, like, I love track. I love to watch track. I like to watch it on TV. Um, I'm just one of those people. And so uh, what was so interesting, we would have these meets, and because they're fourth and fifth graders, they actually didn't keep score. But I kept score, and uh, so did the head coach. And uh, we went undefeated, okay? And we won the city meet. All these little private Catholic schools came in, and we kicked their tails, okay? And uh, it it was just one of those things that we, we had a really good team. And uh, during uh, the, the season, uh, he worked with all of the sprinters, and I worked with the distance runners. And uh, when you're in fourth or fifth grade, though, honestly, you don't know what you are. You're just glad to be on the track team. Most of them were there because I think their parents wanted some babysitting for an hour. Uh, you know, it was just one of those things where you had kids that they were just on the team. And so sometimes they'll be like, oh, yeah, I want to be a distance runner. And they didn't realize what kind of workouts I was going to give them. And so on one particular day, we went out to the Cardinal Greenway Trail. And I said, well, today we are going to run two miles. And you could see like 80% of them going, oh, my word, why did I you know, decide to do this? And my daughter Jordan is on the team. And so she's a pretty good runner. And so she and a small group of people, they take off. And I told them where to go and they take off. Then the next group goes, they're kind of middle pack kind of people. They take off. Um, And then finally, there are people there that are like, why did I sign up for this? And they're just walking. And I couldn't go up and run with everyone else. I just stayed with the walkers because we had to cross different roads. And I was afraid, you know, one of these kids, like, I'm the assistant coach. Why are they even allowing me to do this right now, you know? And, and I'm, I'm fearful that kids are going to get killed, you know, and that kind of thing. And, but I stayed with the walkers. Well, they finished uh, ahead of us, me and the walkers. And so they're all waiting. And I told them, you have to wait here. You can't go anywhere else. You wait right here, and then we'll walk up to the school because the trail leads right up to the school. Well, while they're sitting or while they're standing around, all of a sudden, some of the kids start talking about me behind my back. And they start putting me down. And they start saying things like, yeah, Coach Bunch had us had to run all this, and we don't want to run like that. He's so mean. Coach Howe wouldn't do this. And Jordan's, like, in the midst of this whole group, and she's hearing everybody say that. And so she didn't say anything to me, but later that night uh, she went to my wife and she said, Mommy, 
She said, kids were talking and putting daddy down, and it made me upset. And so I told them, don't talk about my dad like that. And she stuck up for him. Now, why did Jordan stick up for him? Because she loves her dad. And we have a relationship. And we're together. And we're constantly there. And when people started trashing my name, when people started talking about my name in such a way that she did not approve of, she just couldn't handle it. And Jordan and I have a special relationship, and I encourage her, and I build her up, and we're there. And, you know, I realize this isn't going to happen forever. She's only 11, you know, and I know it's going to change. But right now, you know, I'm her world, and she, like, wants to honor my name. Now, this is the truth about me. I'm an earthly dad. So what that means is I'm going to make a lot of mistakes, and I do all the time. And there are times in which I'm not very patient with Jordan. There's times in which I get angry. She's in this tween period. Maybe some of you have experienced that. And some days, you know, it's like, oh, my gosh, she's a little girl. She's sitting on my lap. The other times, man, she looks like the Wicked Witch of the West. You know, like, like I don't know what it is. It's like this difference that happens within her. And sometimes I'm not very kind and I'm not very loving. And that's me. And yet, Jordan still wants to honor my name. Now, here's the thing. Each one of you have a heavenly father who is constantly kind, constantly good, constantly loving to you. And he always has patience. And he says, when, Jesus says, when you come to him, when you come to him, revere, honor his name. Folks, you have access to the creator of the universe. The one who created everything is your heavenly father, and he longs to have a relationship. And so Jesus begins the prayer by saying, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. How are you coming and approaching God in prayer? Now, typically, this is how I uh, begin my prayer time. I will put on a worship song, and I'm listening to a song right now called I Will Exalt. And it's a song that I uh, sing, and, and I begin my prayer time by making his name hallowed, making his name honored. And uh, the other day I was in my uh, neighborhood, and I, was, I have to walk now a mile before I run, because if I don't, I pull things in my body. So uh, I walked a mile, and as I'm walking this mile, I got my uh, you know, earbuds in, I'm walking, I'm listening to this song, and all of a sudden I feel this prompting. Would you just open up your arms and would you exalt me right now? And so I'm walking. I put my arms out and all of a sudden I'm just walking, walking, walking and closed my eyes a couple of times. And then I opened my eyes and I looked and there were several neighbors like, is he okay? <laughs> and this is the truth, folks. I don't care because I want his name to be hallowed above all things. Now, for some of you, maybe you're not a person who likes to listen to music. Maybe you're a writer, and you write out your Thanksgiving. Maybe you just write out uh, something to honor him, or maybe you shout it out in praise. But something that you begin your prayer is to seek his presence with a worshipful heart. Here's the second thing. Seek God's priorities over your own. Seek God's priorities over your own. Folks, this is the truth about me. I'm naturally selfish. I am naturally 
a selfish person. Uh, if it comes between you and me about what I want versus you and I am just purely in my flesh, I want what I want. That's who I am. And, I, and sometimes it's the same way with God. God, if I'm in the flesh, if I'm just wanting my natural tendency, it is to have my way. Now, some of you right now are listening to that and you're offended. You're like, wow, he's really messed up. I hope Emily teaches next week, you know, <laughs> because surely she's much more kind and not as selfish and, you know, that kind of thing. But this is what you should be thinking. Wow, bunch. That's the way you are in your flesh. Me too. Like, that's the way that I am to a T. And I think this is true for most human beings. I mean, just look at the person beside you right now, okay? Look at them, and they're a wonderful person, so just tell them you are good-looking. Okay, go ahead. Turn to the person beside you. You are good-looking. Okay, okay. Now, you don't have to go on more than that. Just, you're good-looking, okay? No. Okay, I'm good. You're going to give me 30 extra seconds. One time, I did that in the church. And <laughs> this was when the curtain was down. I did it in the church. I was standing up there. And I said, turn to the person beside you. And this couple would always come. They'd sit in the very back row. And I really didn't know them. They'd sit in the back row. And I said, tell them you're good looking. And all of a sudden, they, like, start making out. And they're like. <laughs> and, I mean, I went on and I kept on teaching. And they just kept making out. I was like, what is up? We used to call it the love shack, and I think they took it literally, you know? Like, All right, that's 30 seconds. That's free, okay? Now, this is what's true about the person that you just said is good looking. You know what else? They're selfish. They're selfish. And I don't care how much you say, oh, I read my Bible every day, and I pray every day, and I do all this every day. And no, 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 no. That person is selfish. And they have been selfish in different areas of their life before that if you knew about it, you'd be like, oh, I can't believe that. So Matthew goes and he says this. He says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's about his kingdom. It's about his will to be done. I read a story this week about a little boy uh, who uh, his mom came to him and said, hey, we're going to make a chocolate cake, and then later on tonight we're going to eat it as a present for you, and you can have it just before you go to bed. So they make this chocolate cake. They put it in the oven. It comes out. It's great and everything. But you know how little kids are. If you tell them something at the beginning of the day, their behavior sometimes changes quite a bit by the time evening comes, right? And so this little boy... Uh, behave badly and start back talking and everything. And finally, the mom's like, that's it. Uh, you know what? You're going to bed, and you're going to bed without any chocolate cake. And so she puts him to bed, and they, she says, well, we're going to pray. And he gets down, and he gets ready to kneel to his bed, and he prays. And he prays the prayer that the fridge prayed. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, God, please save me some chocolate cake. 
Now, here's the truth. Every single one of us want chocolate cake. You want your way more than what you want God's way sometimes. You want what you want, when you want it, and how you want it. You want him to serve you up the chocolate cake. And a lot of times, our prayer life sounds like that. It's all about, this is what I want. This is what I need. I need a raise. I need a new car. Uh, I need you to work in this person's life because they have a bad attitude. And some of you are single, and some of you are battling that, and you're like, well, I just need a man. I just need a woman. This is what I need, God. Some of you are married, and you're like, I wish they would just do this, and God, I need them to do this. I need them to do And my kids, I need them to do this. And in this verse, Jesus prays, Your kingdom come, God. Your will be done. And this whole kingdom is about God's reign and his rule. That at the very beginning when he created everything, even before human beings, he had this plan in mind of how everything would work, and yet he gave us free will. And yet God's kingdom is constantly saying, I want it to come back to the very essence of what I decided it to be. My will. And then it's our response to say, your will, your dream, your desire. What do you want, God? That's what I want. What you want, God? That's what I want. And the way you dreamed it up from the very beginning, God, at the very beginning, that's what I want. And he goes on to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do you see what he's doing here? It's not just words. It's like Jesus is praying. He's saying, our God, our Father, you who are up in heaven, we want heaven to come down to earth. We actually want heaven, God. We want your world to come into ours. And uh, a few years ago, I was so convicted by uh, the Lord's Prayer. It was a prayer that honestly... I had memorized as a kid. We said it almost every single Sunday, and I had no power in my life whatsoever. And then all of a sudden, I started studying it and reading it, and then all of a sudden, it, it hit me that that's really God's will on earth as it is in heaven. And so this is what I'll do now. When I'm walking in the city of Muncie, I'll walk in Muncie and I'll go, God, may it be in Muncie as it is in heaven. And when I take my girls to school, one of the prayers that we have in our car as I'm driving there is I'll say, may it be at East Washington Academy as it is in heaven. And may it be on the south side as it is in heaven. May it be on the north side as it is in heaven. May it be in Yorktown as it is in heaven. May it be in Selma as it is in heaven. May it be in Delaware County as it is in heaven. May it be in all East Central Indiana as it is in heaven. May it be in your family today as it is in heaven. And when you pray that prayer, you're not praying selfishly. Because you're saying, God, I want what it is in heaven to be here on earth. For heaven to actually invade earth. This is an invitation to have His purpose above your own. 
you see, folks, the Lord's Prayer is not something just to be recited. Not just something that we do at weddings or funerals. But it actually is such a powerful prayer. Jesus said, this is the way you are to pray. And when you pray this way, there is power that comes. And you embrace it. You put it on. You allow it to take residence in your life. It's a prayer not just about us. It's a prayer about God. It's about coming to Him to seek His purposes more than anything else. So this Wednesday night, we're going to have a prayer night that we call the prayer circle. I'm going to be leading it. It'll be from 6.30 to 7.30. It won't be beyond 7.30. Uh, I realize some people like to pray for 10 hours. I think God can do it in an hour. I really do. And we'll come and we'll pray that way. And so I hope that many of you will come to the church office and be a part of that uh, as we pray. Okay, here's a third way that we seek God in prayer, and it is we seek God's provision for our daily needs. We seek God's provision for our daily needs. In verse 11, Jesus said, Give us this day our daily bread. In other words, provide for what we need right now. The very first uh, mission trip that I ever went on was to... uh, East L.A. And East L.A. in the 90s was mainly all Hispanic, and it was drug-ridden, and it was gang-filled. There were tons of gangs. And this church that we went to this mission trip was called Bella Vista, which means a new, a nice view, a nice view. And when you would be at this church and you looked around, it was a two-story church, and you could look up and you could look at the neighborhood, it was anything but a nice view. But this church kind of became a lighthouse in the midst of darkness, and there were single men, they had a ministry for single men who were trying to get out of gangs or out of drug abuse that would come to this particular church. And during this mission trip, we were there one week and we did different Uh, outreaches, uh, went to Skid Row, uh, helped with different things, and I was uh, very young, and uh, I was there, and and this was the weird thing. We actually slept in the church because the pastor told us that it was the safest place. Uh, He wanted us to be in the church. Now, some of you have slept in church too before, but it's not because you've been on a mission trip, okay? Okay. I know you. All right. So we're there. We slept in the church. We slept in the church. We would eat in the church. We showered at the church. We did everything. And then on Sunday mornings, we would get up and we would worship. We'd have a a celebration. And it was very energetic, very animated. And it was in Spanish and English. And some of the songs were Spanish, some were English. And then they sang this song that I thought, as a young kid, I thought that it was bilingual, that it was a little bit of Spanish and mainly, mainly English. And this is what it sounded like. It, this was the song. Jehovah Jireh, my provider, his grace is sufficient for me. And after uh, church, I was like, man, I, I don't know what that means, that Jehovah Jireh thing, even though I'm a pastor's kid. I don't, I don't know what that means. That must be Spanish. So I go up to this person who is Spanish-speaking, and I say, hey, I really like that song. What does Jehovah Jireh mean in Spanish? 
And the person said, well, it's not Spanish, it's Hebrew, it's a word for God, and what it means is the Lord provides. And then I felt like an idiot, you know. And I told him, my dad's not a pastor, he's a tool and die maker, just so you, you know. But I'll never forget that name, Jehovah Jireh. He's my provider. He provides for my needs. And he's your provider. He provides for your needs. Folks, the problem with many of us, though, is this. We think we provide for ourselves. And so we go and we get a job, we work hard, we do certain things, and we think we provide ourselves. And then we think that Walmart provides for our groceries. And then we go to McDonald's and we think, well, McDonald's provides for my lunch. And then we go to Starbucks and we think, you know, Starbucks provides for my addiction, you know, and, and that's it. And we, we do this. And we think everything else provides for us, and we provide for ourselves. Some people think their job provides for them. But I'll tell you what, if you've ever lost your job before, you've ever been laid off, or you've been unemployed before, you find out really quickly that it is not your job that provides for you. But the Lord provides. Who provides? God provides. And so we come to him in prayer, in desperation. Everything that we have, everything that we are, he has given to us. He has provided for us. Now last week, during the second celebration, at the very end, I just uh, gave you guys something to pray for. Do you remember what it was? Retention is a really important thing. Okay, so hopefully you'll remember. But the thing that I asked was, I just kind of threw it out there. I said, hey, uh, my oldest daughter Jordan, her cousin decided to step on her foot two times. Not once, twice. I love my nephew. I just love, I love my nephew. So on Sunday afternoon, her foot began to swell and there was some bruising that was on the top of it. And so uh, by the time we got later in the day, she could hardly even walk on it. And uh, we talked to a friend of ours who's an emergency room doctor, and we said, hey, what do you think? And he's like, I think it's broke. I mean, she's having pain here and there, and, you know, you need to get an x-ray, but that's what I think. And so on Monday, uh, and I know many of you were praying because some of you told me, hey, I'm praying for Jordan. I'm praying for Jordan. Just want you to know I'm praying for Jordan. And Monday came, and we go to another friend of ours who's uh, in orthopedics, and he looks at it, and he's like, yeah, I think it's probably broken, but we'll, we'll do an x-ray anyway. Well, they took an x-ray, and this is the x-ray. I can read x-rays, by the way, just in case you were wondering. I'm a radiologist. What you'll find is, folks, there's nothing broken. There is not a hairline fracture. Now, I totally understand. Some of you are very scientific. You're probably thinking to yourself right now, it was never broken. There was nothing wrong with that at all. And you might be right. But this is what I think. There were two doctors who we put a lot of faith in, who have seen this multiple 
times, hundreds of times, and they found when they did the x-ray that there was a break and there was nothing there. And so this is what my conclusion is. I believe that the two doctors were wrong and God brought healing to Jordan's foot. That's what I believe. Now, this is what is amazing to me. So the rest of the week, it was still, you know, kind of tender. We didn't know. Yesterday, she plays soccer, and she runs on it. And I'm just amazed at what a week what God did. Now, again, I know some of you are thinking right now, well, I have a feeling it just was never broken. That's all right for you to believe. Maybe that's true. I may be totally wrong. But this is what I'm starting to believe more and more in prayer, that I really believe that God wants to provide for all of our needs, all of our daily needs. So let me ask you this morning, what's your daily needs? What are you wanting God to provide for? For some of you, your marriage is a wreck. Your relationship is broken. You're struggling financially right now. Some of you are struggling with an addiction. You have some selfishness in your life. Some of you are a gossip and you've hid it from everybody else, but you can't hide it from God and you realize it needs to change. So folks, what is it that needs, what is the need that you have? God says that he will meet your needs. So we go to him in prayer. He is our Jehovah Jireh, our provider. Philippians 4.19 says this, And my God will supply all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. There is a promise that he will meet your needs. And this is what I found sometimes. Sometimes I pray to God and I go, this is what I need. And then this is what he does. He reshapes my needs. He's like, you really don't need that. This is what you need. And then that's the thing that he provides for my needs. Okay, fourth thing, when you seek God in prayer, we seek God's pardon for our sins and for the pardon, and we pardon the sins of others. We seek God's pardon for our sins, and then we pardon the sins of others. Verse 12 in this prayer, Jesus prays, And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. So the first part of this section is that we are to ask for God to forgive our debts, to forgive our flub-ups, our mess-ups, our screw-ups in life. For some of you, this may just be a weekly thing you have to do. For others of you, it's like every two minutes, right? I mean, just constantly you're asking, but it kind of depends. This is where Jesus says you simply go and say, God, I need you to forgive me for this thing in my life. And it should be a regular part of your prayer time that you're asking God for forgiveness. Uh, That's why I try to pray every single day. And then in my prayer time, I'll go, God, these are the things that I think I sinned. But is there anything in the last 24 hours that I have done that has sinned in such a way that I need your forgiveness? And many times he'll bring those things to life. Now, what's interesting about this word pardon is that it's a very interesting word, and basically what it means is second chance. That you get a second chance. Now, just by a show of hands, 
How many of you would say that there is something, one thing in your past that you wish you would have done differently? Just raise your hand. Just one thing in your past that you would, okay, put your hand down. Now, people who didn't raise their hands, what do we call them? That's right. Because you cannot be here and say there's nothing in my past that I wish I would have done differently. Folks, none of us bat a thousand, none of us do. And I personally, I don't measure up to what my own standards are, let alone to what God's standards are. Because everybody's blown it, everybody's failed, everybody's messed up. We've all done things and said things that are horrible. And so in each of our lives, there are things that we wish we could have done differently. And the good news is that the God of the universe who created everything, he loves to give second chances. Yesterday was our uh, church's golf scramble to raise money for our mission trip to Jamaica. And I was on a team, and I am not a good golfer at all. Um, I'm what they call a hacker. I just kind of hack at the ball and uh, hope that it moves. And uh, so I'm not really all that good. And so uh, there's something in golf that really isn't the official rules, but it's a part of the rules that I like when I play with people, and it's called a mulligan. And what a mulligan is, is that if you make a shot, if you're not a golf person, and it's horrible. Like I put one straight into the woods. I got up, very first shot, straight right into the woods. Now, I didn't get a mulligan yesterday because we were playing by these certain rules. But a lot of times people will say, hey, man, just take a mulligan and do it again. And a mulligan is basically just a do-over. It is a second chance. And this is the truth about God. Every single time that you go to him and you ask for him to forgive your debt, to forgive your sin, he gives you a second chance. And he doesn't remember before. He gives you a mulligan. And I'm wondering today if some of you need a mulligan. Maybe you've had a really bad attitude, and so you need a mulligan for your attitude. Maybe it's gossip. You've been talking about other people, and you need a mulligan. Maybe it's an addiction. You need a mulligan. Maybe it's your poor financial management. You need a mulligan. Maybe it's sexual impurity. You need a mulligan. Maybe you've cheated and you need a mulligan. Maybe you've lied, and you need a mulligan. Whatever it is, God loves to give second chances to his people. In fact, 1 John says this. It'll come up on the side screen. If we confess our sins, he will, what's it say? Forgive our sins. Because we can trust God to do what is right, he will cleanse us from all the wrongs that we have done. He says, if you confess your sins, I'll forgive your sins. And I don't remember them anymore. They're gone. They're finished. God is a God of amnesia when it comes to confess sin. He doesn't remember. It goes on and he gives us new life. Now, it's hard for us to go to God and to confess our own sins, to ask for forgiveness for our debts. But what I've found is even harder is to forgive the debts of others who have hurt us or have done something against us. And yet, Scripture is very clear. It's almost like a litmus test. God says, unless you forgive others around you, I can't forgive you. Several years ago, uh, a buddy of mine uh, got in trouble with the law. He had embezzled uh, tens of thousands of dollars uh, from the company he was working for. And... uh, 
to get him out of jail, he needed a large amount of money. And so my wife Jennifer and I, uh, we went ahead and we gave the money to him. And uh, as he went ahead and uh, took the money, he never thanked us. And day after day, week after week, month after month, we never got a thank you. We never got anything from him. And I don't know about you, but when I feel like I'm getting burnt or hurt or something like that, all of a sudden I can get resentful. And if I'm not careful, I can be bitter. And at this particular point, I was very bitter. I was very resentful towards him. And then one day I was studying for a message that I was going to do on forgiveness for you guys. And I said, God, is there anything in here that you need to say to me? And he said, yeah, there is. How can I forgive you completely and fully if you haven't forgiven James? So I picked up the phone. I called James. I said, hey, let's meet at Cracker Barrel. I hadn't talked to him in almost three years. And uh, he said, you sure? And I'm like, yeah. And uh, so we met there. And it was very little small talk. And you need to know that James is six foot one, 270 pounds, and at that time he was closer to 300, just a big, gigantic of a man. And we sat down, and I said, James, the reason that I want to sit down with you is, one, because I want us to reconcile, you know, the fact that we haven't been connecting, but I want you to know that you hurt us. Like, you really hurt Jennifer and I. And... I want you to know that that's why I haven't talked to you. And I said, but I also need to ask for your forgiveness because I've been holding back some resentment and bitterness towards you that I need you to forgive me for. And at that point, this great big man in Cracker Barrel at Sagacity Exit started bawling. And then he said, Chris, I'm so sorry. He said, that part of my life was very, very messy. If you remember, shortly after that, my wife divorced me. I lost our house. I had to file for bankruptcy. My kids wanted nothing to do with me. And I was left in a very, very dark place. And he said, The shame got so great that I just couldn't get out of the hole. I didn't want to talk to anyone, and especially anyone that had given such a huge gift as you had given to me. And he said, in the midst of all of that, he said, I finally got so dark that I was going to take my gun and I was going to shoot myself. And he said, then I remembered my kids and what you had done for me. And I stopped. And I chose not to do that. And he said, I just want you to know that I'm really, really sorry. I'm so sorry and I apologize because you helped to save my life. Well, at that point, you know, I start tearing up too. And we're both tearing up together. And uh, we finally get done with everything and they bring the check out. And um, he goes, hey, I'll get the check. 
I was like, darn right you're going to get the check. (laughs) And so he got the check, and we walked outside, and he gives me a great big bear hug. And then he said these words. He said, all of the best parts of my life have you in it. I love you, Dad. And then, and, and then he looked at me, and he said, now quit crying. They're going to think we're sissies. Now, some of you have heard this story before, but this is a tag to this. So last year, about this time, James sat right in this section right here, and he came to church. And he came up to me and said, hey, I'm going to church now uh, up in Fort Wayne, and things are going really well, and I'm excited. But I was like, oh, cool. And I didn't have a chance to talk to him before church. But after church, he walked down this hallway, and he's walking down, and it was on that day that I was uh, going to teach the baptism class. And I was standing out there, and he walks up to me, and he gives me this great big hug, and he starts bawling, just crying. And I'm like, dude, what's up? And then he reached out in his back pocket, and he pulled out an envelope, and he said, here is what I owed you, plus 10% for the last 10 years. And he gave it to me. No, no. And so I get this envelope, and I'm first thing I'm thinking, you know, because I'm a very spiritual person, Jen and I are going out to eat tonight. <laughs> Because I knew how much money was in that envelope. And I told him, I said, dude, you don't owe me interest. Scripture is very clear that if you're a Christ follower, and you weren't at that time, but we're best buds, man, I don't want the interest. And then all of a sudden, he just started to cry almost uncontrollably. He said, please, please take this. Because it's not about the money. It's about the forgiveness you gave me. And and then I looked at him and I said, quit crying, you big sissy. And that was it. Folks, this is what is true. I know how hard it is to release people. I do. I know what it's like when someone has offended me, when they've hurt me, and I've had to give them a pass. It took me three years to even talk to him to the point that I would do that. But I did it, and you can too. Forgiveness doesn't mean that you trust people at the same level. Even today, if he asked me for money, I would not give him money. But I can forgive him for all things. It doesn't mean you trust the same, but you forgive as Christ forgave. And the question is, can you do that? Are you holding grudge, a grudge or bitterness or resentment towards somebody in your life? And if you are, the scripture is very clear. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debts. But will you do it? Last thing. 
see God's power to overcome temptation. Jesus kind of closes his prayer with a couple of sentences. Here's the first one. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. We see God's power over to overcome temptation. So what is temptation? Temptation is simply anything that distracts you from the kingdom of God. Anything that distracts you from the kingdom of God. Anything. Anything means anything. If it distracts you, it's a temptation. The distraction is to forget about what God wants you to do in your household, in your family, in your workplace. And the enemy loves to get us distracted. More than anything else, he loves to distract us. He wants to make us anxious. He wants to make us depressed. He wants to make us stressed. He wants us to become overwhelmed. He wants us to be so super busy with a schedule that's full with everything that we never have time to just listen to God's voice. He wants to put you in positions where you actually forget about God. I imagine oftentimes that the evil one sits back and he looks down at us and he's like, oh, that one's stressed out. Yes. Oh, that one's depressed. Yes. Oh, that one's like so overscheduled. Great. And there is this distraction that he loves to see happen. And Jesus says, you are to pray, lead us not into temptation. Lead us not into distraction. May it be only about your kingdom. And then he closes his prayer by simply saying this. Father, yours is the kingdom. It's not mine. It's all yours. And yours is the power. Power is not in what car you drive. Power is not in the house that you live in. Power is not in how much education you have. Power is in God. All the kingdom is yours. All the power is yours. And it's your glory. The problem with glory is that sometimes we get to the point where we're like, no, I'd like to have a little glory. I'd like to be recognized. I would like to be affirmed. I'd like to get some credit for some things. And Jesus is saying, hey, the focus of your life should be to recognize that all the kingdom, all the power, all the glory is his from now until all of eternity. So this is how we're going to close today. We're going to put up the Lord's Prayer again. And what I'd like you to do is I want to give you a minute to look at the Lord's Prayer and to read through it, to pray through it, and to simply ask God's Spirit, what is one word that you're convicting of me right now? Maybe the word is Father. That you've never felt like you've had access to God. That he's not really been your father. That that isn't there. Maybe the word is hallowed. That honestly you haven't been revering God's name very much at all. And you've thought of it very differently. And it hasn't been respectful. Maybe it's kingdom. Maybe you've been trying to build your own kingdom. Rather than allowing God's kingdom to be built in you. Maybe it's bread. Maybe there's a need that you have today that you simply need to go to depend on him, to trust him. Maybe for some of you it's forgive. You haven't asked God for forgiveness for some stuff in your life, you, or you haven't forgiven yourself 
He's already forgiven you, but you keep beating yourself up. Or maybe there's some people in your life that you're holding grudges against that you need to forgive. Or maybe, to be quite honest, there are just some places in your life that you have become distracted in, that you have been tempted by the evil one. And maybe it's a reminder that today you have to tell yourself, God, it's yours, your kingdom, your power, your glory. So we're going to turn the lights off and give you a moment just to look and to pray through this prayer. And to think, Holy Spirit, right now, would you give each of us one word that would convict us for this week? read it through one time and now you just need to ask God what's the one word that you're convicting me of and allow that word to be highlighted in a show of unity, what I'd like us to do is to actually pray the Lord's Prayer together with one voice. So let's pray it together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Hi, everybody. Well, um, maybe you're here today and you're like, yeah, you know, I really connected with everything that Chris said and this idea of talking to God, but I really don't even have a relationship with him. I've never, I've never accepted him into my life. And so if that's you today, um, Abby is right back there in the corner and she would love to just pray with you um, to make that commitment to allow Christ into your life and um, to give you a gift and just encourage you um, in the beginning of that relationship. So as soon as church ends today, you can head right back there um, to talk to Abby and she'd love to be there to talk and to pray with you. Well, um, earlier today, Chris had mentioned the, um, the Connect card uh, that looks like this. And if you wouldn't mind pulling that back out, and um, continuing to fill that out. That's just a way for us to, to know you a little bit better. And so we'd love for you, whether you've been here forever or you just started today, um, to fill that out. And then when we receive an offering in a little bit, you can drop that in there um, with your offering. You can also fill that card out on the JAR app. So if you don't have the JAR app, 
Um, we encourage you to download that on the App Store or the Play Store. There's all kinds of really cool things you can do through that app, including filling out your Connect card. Um, so make sure you do that. Well, um, right now we're going to receive an offering. So if I could have the greeters go ahead and uh, come forward. And today, if you're new here, we don't want you to feel any kind of pressure that you need to give any money. We just really want to get to know you better and get your um, Connect card is all. So, But if the jar is your church home, then um, we encourage you to just give back to our God who has given so much to us in such a generous way. Would you please um, pray with me? God, I thank you that you are a God um, that provides for us, that you give so freely to us. Um, and I just pray today that we would give back um, with a heart of gratefulness to you and that um, whatever we give you would use it to reach our community um, and to show them your love. And so just use what we give today. Amen. Well, um, if you are new here today, um, I want to invite you to stop by our guest connection table. It's right back there. Evelyn's waving over there. And uh, she has a, a free gift for you, no strings attached. She just wants you to feel welcome here and answer any questions about the jar that you might have. So make sure you stop by Guest Connection as you leave today. And um, so we are a church who um, we want to show God's love to our community. But not only in our community, we feel that we want to show God's love all over the world. And so one of the ways that we do that is through an outreach called Give to Jamaica. And this is where um, we, we ask you to give just $2, just a little bit of money. Um, to provide for students in Jamaica. For example, there's a student that we sponsor. Her name is Kion. She's 16 years old, and um, she has the opportunity to go to school, but unfortunately in Jamaica she doesn't have money to get to school with transportation. She doesn't have money for shoes to wear to school or books for school or all of those little things. And by us kind of teaming together and giving those $2, we can make it possible for her to get the education that she needs. And so there's a couple ways that you can give to Jamaica today. Um, there is a cooler back there, a blue cooler as you leave. You can drop $2 in there. Uh, you can also um, text give to the number that's up on the screen if you want to do it that way. Or you can give through the app. Just go to the give portion of the app and just say that you want it to go um, to give to Jamaica. So a couple different options for how to do that. Well, another thing that we like to do as a jar is to have fun um, together as a community. And so a cool thing that we're having coming up is going to be our small group mixer. And so maybe you're in a small group and you're like, I want to kind of get out of just the, the small group of people that I know and meet some other people in other groups. Or maybe you're not in a small group and you'd like to kind of connect with some different people in the church that um, you've never met before then this would be a great opportunity for you. So this is going to be June 22nd. We're all going to meet at the JAR office at 6 o'clock and then head to Escape Muncie um, to uh, go through the escape room there together and then head back to the office for snacks afterwards. So if you're like, I'm not really an escape room person, that's okay. You can still come afterwards at about 7.15 and eat snacks and just hang out with us. It'll be a great time just for us to all um, get to know each other better and have some fun. So that's, uh, like I said, June 22nd, and you can sign up for that today. Um, you can either head over to the resource table to sign up, or you can um, sign up on the app. Um, the cost is $10, and a, proceeds, um, a portion of those proceeds go to missions in Jamaica um, as well. So it's a great outreach as well as a lot of fun. Well, um, at this time, I'm going to ask the prayer team to come up, and if there's anything that um, you would like prayer for, then um, please come up, and they'd be happy to pray with you. Okay, let's stand for a closing prayer. So this week, uh, I have a challenge for each one of you, and that is every single day this week that you would pray the Lord's Prayer. So if you're a morning person and you wake up in the morning and you're like, ah, 
that's when I love to pray that you'd pray the Lord's Prayer. If you're more of a noon person, you kind of are that, pray it then. If you're a night person, like you don't even start really having your brain, you know, work until, you know, about noon, then pray it at night. And then whatever that one word is, that you would allow that word to kind of guide you through that prayer. Um, And like for me, my my one word that I uh, felt this morning was hallowed, that I want to spend more time in my prayer life uh, giving God worship in the midst of that and being in his presence. And so whatever that word is, focus on that, but do that each day. And we'll see what God does as we truly try to change our community uh, in a way that honors Christ. Have a great week, everybody. Know that you're loved in this place. If you can help us with tear down, pick up a chair, bring it that way, that would be great. Thanks.